What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. So I've been excited for this one for a long time. Jersey Gregorick, the world-renowned weightlifting coach and creator of the Happy Body Program, joins me on the podcast today. So Jersey is a legend in the world of strength and conditioning. I first heard of him from his work that he did with Tim Ferriss on the Tim Ferriss podcast. He's been on other world-renowned podcasts and has been a staple in strength and conditioning for over three decades with his coaching. So it was an absolute blast to talk with him, to dive deep into his practice, his origin story of how he got into this world of uh, strength and conditioning, going into the Happy Body program. But the work that he talked about on the mental side of strength, of the five different voices that we communicate with in our own minds, the master versus the fatalist, um, is absolutely incredible. I got so much out of this one to take into my own life, and I'm sure you will at the same time too. So take notes on this one or go back and listen to it. You're going to want to because Jersey really threw some incredible insights in here. So, all right, I'll get right to the show. Enjoy it. I'll catch you on the inside. All right, let's get this started. Jersey, it is really an honor to have you on. I've been a huge fan for a while, so I really appreciate you taking the time. I'm excited. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's great. I uh, There's so many different topics that I want to dive into <laughs> with you. Um, you know, you're kind of such a renaissance man in this world, uh, but from seeing a lot of the, the work that you've done over the decades in not only Olympic weightlifting, but as we were just speaking before the podcast, we just started getting rolling anywhere. We're like, we better get this started. The, the work that you've done in, in writing and creating your, your products as well is just really fascinating. So I'm, I'm really excited just to, to dive in. We'll just get rolling. Yeah. It's necessity, you know, like, uh, when you have something hard to really, uh, grow and or progress, then things appear and then you respond to it. And it depends, you know, what you have to respond to. Right. right? You know, sometimes it's poetry, sometimes it's stoicism, sometimes, you know, it's uh, just exercise. Uh, so it's just, or nutrition. So it really depends, but uh, it's a constant growth, constant uh, challenges uh, presented when you want to, improve yourself or improve somebody or help somebody to improve. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that, you know, comes right away with challenges. And once the challenges are presented, then you try to figure out how to, how to help. (laughs) And and you never know where it takes you when you work with people on hourly basis and you have eight people a day Mm -hmm. and they bring you different uh, challenges. And because of that, you know, those challenges can take you to poetry or can take you to philosophy. And you say, okay, well, we need to do something about that. Okay, so let's <laughs> maybe poetry, right? <laughs> it is interesting because I, I first remembered uh, hearing of you from a talk of Tim Ferriss when he was talking about stoicism. And I believe he had a quote, you know, from you in, in one of those talks. And it's interesting you said that about solving problems because I was even in that mind of, you know, when you're in that, work of trying to solve a physical problem, you're trying to solve it with just solution, solution, when sometimes going to philosophy or writing or poetry, getting out of that kind of one energy into more of a creative energy, you can actually find the answers to what you're looking for in the other end as well. So that was one of the first times I remember hearing of you in that talk. And um, yeah, yeah, we mixture mixture of uh, a lot of crafts. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those is uh, knowledge. I think that knowledge is really important. Science, knowledge, 
worried, you know, uh, what the body is and <laughs> how it's built and, you know, how it moves and this old knowledge, right? <laughs> but then uh, it is really necess- ne- necessary to, uh, to motivate people to tell them, you know, about science, how the body works and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, why is it that way or not that way, like mm-hmm. calories, for example. So then, mm-hmm. or ideal body weight. Then, uh, um, then there is a philosopher, then the one that uh, is thinking, that, that one that uh, tries to understand uh, what happens and who we are and why mm-hmm. we believe this way or not way, uh, how we develop habits, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, there is, a, uh, of course, you know, uh, artists. And the art is really important in uh, human growth because it brings us to almost like meditation, brings us to situations when they are really hard and, you know, situations when poets actually overcame something really difficult, really mm-hmm. hard in life. And then when it happened, uh, then... Uh, when you read a poem like that, you can actually place yourself in the position that you can also overcome that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's very inspirational in that way. It gives you this, some uh, distance and, and acceptance of the hard choice. And you can find it in the feelings while reading the poem. It, it doesn't, you know, you're not aware of it, but it happens. So, you know, you, you need to read or write, you know, a thousand poems in order to kind of sink into uh, that um, gift of what poetry gives to you. And that creates this uh, space inside that acceptance space. Yeah. There is a, there is a spiritual, uh, you know, part of us that uh, is connected more to um, the planet, the care for the planet. Yeah. And care what happens to us and, and so on and so on. So that brings, you know, more um, philosophy like Tao and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. I care for what's enough. You know, uh, is it really important to have uh, a lot and, and how much right. is a lot, how much <laughs> is enough? <laughs> what is a good life, right? And, and all of it somewhere. And there's the physical part, right, uh, of our life that is really extremely important because that's the one that um, the body is communicated uh, to us with. And if something is wrong, is telling us that something is wrong. That's why, you know, sometimes I tell people that we created the happy body so the body doesn't talk to us. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, well, that's perfect. Body, yeah, just leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, when the body doesn't talk to you, that's a good life. Right. That's so uh, funny. That is so true, right? <laughs> yeah, when the body start talking, uh-uh, right? You pay attention first and mm-hmm. you really listen and you have the chance to fix it right away. Yeah. If you don't, the body mm-hmm. will talk to you back even mm-hmm. more. So it means more pain, right? That's so <laughs> it's what well, it's like a good sports game when you don't hear about the referees, then they're doing their job. Like you don't want them out in front. It's the same thing. That, yeah, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting, <laughs> Jersey, that, you know, because that spiritual side, you know, we talk about a lot, but a lot of times I think people forget to actually that there's work and there's actions that you can do for that, like writing. And that's what I love of what you've done is you've really explored that side in action, um, along with the physical side of all the work that you've done in Olympic weightlifting. And that's kind of where I wanted to to start this, too, because I know you started 
Olympic weightlifting at an early age, what about like 13 years old or so? What was it about Olympic uh, weightlifting that got you intrigued, you know, all those years ago? You know, I was not tall. I don't want to say I was short. <laughs> so, you know, short is really, uh, it's like when you say short, you really uh, say something negative. Right. <laughs> but you say I was not tall. Yeah. Hey, yeah, not bad. <laughs> well, you know, and, you know, I was not strong. So, you know, boys were bigger, so bullied me and so on. So I tried to, you know, uh, find... Uh, antidote for that you know like uh, what is the solution <laughs> yeah. so uh there were two teams in my city one was weightlifting and the other one was boxing so boxing uh, really didn't go with me they mm-hmm. kind of didn't like it but uh, weightlifting really did so i went to the uh to the coach and talked to the coach and coach checked me and and uh, and then accepted me to the team and then once I was on the on the team, of course, I was not progressing fast <laughs> mm-hmm. because, you know, coaches, you know, in the East, they will not progress. You, they will not you progress too fast. Uh, you know, you're slow. Uh, first thing, what needs to be done is flexibility and mobility mm-hmm. and then skills and then, you know, you get power. But right away, uh, the news spread that, I am the part of Olympic weightlifting team, like in a, in a city. Mm-hmm. But if, if you are the part of a team, like in a city somewhere, that's a big thing because you have 40 guys behind you in a way, right? Okay. You know, kind of, uh, you are inside of that, that thing and you mm-hmm. slowly, you know, develop, you know, hijack and then, okay. <laughs> and somebody else, right? Develop the friendship and, and on and on. But the, the news spread very fast that you are the part of the team. So they, uh, they leave you alone. Like, so, you know, and that's a beautiful thing when people leave you alone. Mm-hmm. So they don't mind. So all the bullies kind of stop right away in, in, mm-hmm. during that, that time because of that. It's like in America, you know, the people leave you alone in a way, mm-hmm. right? You know, in, uh, uh, in Europe, they will bag you more, but, you know, America is a really beautiful country. It's just like first time I was left alone to myself, you know, where I'm, mm-hmm. I'm responsible, right? I'm free, but, but also I need to be responsible and that kind of right. build the independence. I, I've never seen that, you know, system. This, this is just America. It's just, wow, this is like, I love to be here. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So this, so right away, like you just were part of that team and you really felt like a kinship with these people. It kind of really gave you something that you didn't have early on before because you were a not tall type guy, you know, back then. Well, you know, uh, on a team, there were really guys even shorter than I. Mm-hmm. So, and there were six, four guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then 400 pounds guys. And then uh, on a team, there were guys that there were 100 pounds and 20 pounds. You know? <laughs> so, you know, everybody there, I was about 110 pounds then. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a team. So, you know, the, the lowest uh, weight was about 110 pounds, 50, I think 52 kilos, uh, uh, 114 pounds. Mm-hmm. But the highest was about, you know, above uh, 280. So then you, and the, some guys were 350, 400 pounds. Oh, wow. Big, okay. Oh, I yeah. mean, big guy, if you walk with a guy like that in a city, then, you know, everybody knows. They're leaving you alone. 
you're in a city, let's say, you know, that has like 50,000 people, then yes, tomorrow, everybody knows. <laughs> oh, that's great. Did you feel like when you got into it, did you really, did you enjoy it right off the bat? Did you feel like this is something that is really something that I could, you know, do and it's going to be an impact in my life for a long time? I really love, uh, you know, weightlifting. It was like gymnastics, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and I love gymnastics. I wanted to be a gymnast, but there was no team and there were no coaches there mm -hmm. uh, in the city. But uh, Olympic weightlifting is like, you know, super gymnastics. It's just the lift is so complicated, like snatch is so complicated but, and requiring so much flexibility, mobility, mm -hmm. ability, and timing. It's just incredible lift. It's just the, the difference between, it's, it's almost like a uh, vault, right? You, you run fast and you do certain mm -hmm. things. But the certain thing that you do in Olympic weightlifting is always the same and you improve the same and then you improve the strength, right? So uh, it's like, a, a, in a way, um, high jump, you know, or, or pole vault, that it's kind of the same skill, mm -hmm. but as the, um, the resistance is higher because the bar is higher. It's more difficult. Right. But the same skill. And when it makes something more difficult, that skill has to be almost relearned because all timing, everything changes. So, uh, and I had a great coach. The coach was incredible, you know, it just taught, taught us with a DAO and a stick, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we uh, work with flexibility until we were ready. <laughs> so mm -hmm. if you, uh, if you were not flexible, you wouldn't go to live. So that, that's kind of, uh, I tried to uh, do with the happy body and try to, uh, bring people uh, into the position to be flexible. And <laughs> flexibility is so important in life anyway. Yes. It can prevent, you know, injuries. It prevents the, talk, the body talking to you. <laughs> it is. Exactly. We're going to keep going right back to that. Yeah, so, yeah, you that's don't want the body talking to you. That's our whole theme of this entire podcast episode is leave the yeah. body alone. <laughs> well, I, was always, I, was, I was always been fascinated with the Olympic weightlifting. You know, I come you know, from more like a kettlebell background, which, you know, has some similar aspects of it, but very different in sport. Um, but what I've seen from Olympic lifters who have continuously progressed and kept it going is that flexibility. Like you have to maintain that flexibility in your body where a lot of other strength modalities, you can get super strong, but it can contract and tighten you up really quick. And then all of a sudden you realize that you've got some issues, you know, down the right. line. So that was something that I always respected from the, from that Olympic weightlifting program. Yeah, And, and you have to be extremely fast. So mm -hmm. the, the speed is, uh, another uh, part of Olympic weightlifting. Uh, there was a, this uh, lifter who squatted, the power lifter who squatted 1,100 pounds. And then he, um, he tried to uh, transfer to the uh, Olympic weightlifting. And uh, he was a big guy. He was uh, 400 pounds. I talked to him in Colorado Springs. And, and he, uh, he said that when he came to the lifting about 220 kilo and 200, 240 kilo and 260 was at that time a world record. Mm -hmm. He said, when I came to the 240, everything worked, but above, above that, like brain stops mm -hmm. suddenly that, you know, he had the, the fingers with him that he needed only 750 pound squat in order to make the world record. 
but he scored at 1100. But also, he was too slow for the mm. lifting, Olympic weightlifting. So he couldn't, he was a lot of more stronger than in, that the lift needed, but he also needed to be fast. Yes. And that brain was not in him developed. So it would take another five years to develop that speed, that capability to snap in, snap, 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 right? That's, that snapping is mostly uh, needed in uh, athletics in general, like mm-hmm. you can see snapping or, or high jump or, you know, long jump, mm-hmm. high jump, you know, pole vault. It's the run, 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 run snap, mm-hmm. right? You have to snap. And then all the throws, like, you know, you can see baseball, pitcher, you know, it's, it's a snap, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be tennis the same and pole vaulting and vault, uh, water polo and, and, you know, football, almost all sport depend on the very short snap. I saw yes. it's everywhere. And that, that's just a power that usually exists for about, mostly five seconds, most of the is five right. seconds, but it really can be split of the second, like a snatch or one second or tennis, you see, like a split of the second when the ball meets the rocket, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the snap happens. It's, it's, it's so fascinating, this, the, such the difference in one modality of some speed training and that power could be such a big difference between, because somebody who like that is squatting 1,100 pounds, you think that dropping that down by 40%, they could do anything with that weight, but it's a completely different movement. It's a completely different you know, aspect. And I came from like a baseball background for a while and everything's about that quick torque, like everything's yeah. that snap. And I saw some guys who were not big guys, but they knew how to use their body and just power through their hips and they could throw 90 plus miles an hour. And it's amazing when you see it because it's all that power that they can transfer in one. Also, it's, a, it's really hips right? and, mm-hmm. and the spine become a whip. Yeah. So uh, when you move back, you, you have to back like spine and use the spine to throw, right? Mm-hmm. So the spine go, goes back and it's, it throws actually the arm. The arm is not really doing the job and no. the shoulder is not doing the job. It's mm-hmm. just the whip. So when you think about the throw, you go back and then the spine is back, is arch, right? That's why thoracic spine it has to be flexible for that. Mm-hmm. And then from that level, spine goes forward and through. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine like uh, uh, volleyball, right? When the uh, hitter goes up, right? And goes back, arches back. And now it's just the spine. Boom, right? Snap. It says snap. But the snap comes from the spine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And those who don't snap from the spine, the spine is it's a core, whole core system really mm-hmm. does it, right? The, the whole body. So you, those who don't learn that, they throw from the shoulder and usually injure the shoulders over and over. Exactly. It's, it's just too small muscle mm-hmm. to power the movement. Yeah. It's so, it's interesting. I worked with a young baseball player and he was worked with a company called driveline all on pitching and the breakdown of their video that they sent him. And we went over it together and how they talk about like the C, like when a pitcher follows through their front leg should drive and then almost explode through and down. So you see their leg and their arm makes this C and And that's where all that, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And the hips, they snap through. So everything's about, 
driving that weight through the ground. And at that right time, as the ball explodes to the hand, everything just radiates up. And you can see such that correlation in Olympic weightlifting, where it's all that stuff just snaps right at the right time. Yeah, it's like a snatch, you know, when there's that the body is like that, mm-hmm. it's really the body becomes like C, you see, yeah. like a ball, right? Because uh, once it goes the bar up, the, the body goes back and snap under, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's always you use every inch of the body to make the throw a big fast, right? Or make the lift. So every inch, ankles are working, toes are working, knees are working. <laughs> every inch, where everything is helping. That's why it's a whip. Mm-hmm. Right? In the whip, you're using everything. You use the hips, you use the legs, you twist about it, right? Because you're also twisting. You know, you can see that like when the throw is, like mm-hmm. so when you go back, you, you don't go on the back, but also you go in a twist. So yes. then you have a core that is back and twisted, right? And then you go forward. Now you can imagine that now you are untwisted body, right? Mm-hmm. And then you throw forward yes. the body. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes uh, twist and forward. So yeah. the, the spine, the power of the spine is humongous. And then this, the reserve of that is humongous. And then mm-hmm. those who don't have flexibility of the spine mm-hmm. or that flexibility is not developed, they will not be able to be skillful. So they will be compromised and the skill will be compromised. So they will, uh, they will depend on muscle that is uh, smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, so in, that comes with uh, overuse uh, of right. the muscle and usually the body breaks. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing too, when somebody does it right, it's just how beautiful and graceful it looks too. It is absolutely gorgeous seeing, like, I was just thinking there was a volleyball player I saw on a slow motion doing that. It just looks so beautiful when they go up and everything opens up and extends. And it's the same thing when you see somebody on the platform and they hit that lift and it's like, it's such a beautiful, it's such a a beautiful thing to see. You know, goes back, you know, a lot of Chinese lifters are incredible Mm -hmm. in the in the uh, bowing backward, you know, mm-hmm. there is such a flexibility that, and that, you know, when you have such flexibility, then you, your skill is almost perfect. You know, you don't have to pull the bar too high because you are able to go under and you go into deep squat. Mm-hmm. So it means like over pulling doesn't exist for these guys who are very skillful and very flexible because you cannot be skillful if you are not flexible. Yes. The flexibility is the, the number one. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you have flexibility, you can be skillful. But if you cannot sit, sit down with your glutes two inches off the ground, three inches, mm-hmm. but you sit with 10 inches, then you have seven inches. You have to over pull the bar higher than others. Right. Right. So yeah. then you are, you have handicap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your experience working with people in Olympic lifting, have you seen that a lot of people come in and they don't have the flexibility yet necessary in order to do the lifts that they want to do right off the bat? Yeah. And flexibility, usually trainers, you know, uh, of uh, all kind of uh, athletes in America is that trainers are not developing flexibility. So if they are not developing flexibility, 
then they got, get stuck with power clean or power snatch, mm. right? Without going down. But if you're not going down, then you don't train the flexibility of, uh, of the deep squat. But if the deep squat happens in your sport, the body will talk to you because you will end, you will, uh, you will end up with end of flexibility and then you will tear the body. So uh, if you do half squat, let's say, right, and then you do only cleans that half use half squat, mm-hmm. then if you are a volleyball player and then you play and you go into the position sometimes that you have to go that, and that that position that angle is not trained, mm-hmm. you are in danger. Okay, you are yeah, in danger you're... of you know uh, let's say uh, tearing tearing your in uh, your knee or, you know, your uh, ligaments in the knee. Mm-hmm. Because you, the quadricep is very tight there. This is, the, this is your training angle, 90 mm-hmm. degrees, right? It's not that one. It's that one. So if you train that one, right, let's say 30 degrees mm-hmm. angle, and then all the here, right? So if you train that, then you will never be injured because there is no way that you will be playing in any sport and you will end, right. end up with that angle. So that's why uh, in trainings, that angle, you know, uh, that are uh, crucial should be trained more and more than what happens in a uh, sport, like a hitter, or not the catcher. Mm-hmm. Catcher is the one that, you know, you know, sits in a way, right? Mm-hmm. In the sitting position, yep. he's going to catch. So developing here flexibility of his hips, ankles, everything else, so he can sit, you know, comfortably is the number one. Mm-hmm. If he sits on, on his toes because he's not flexible, that he's already not stable. Also, yes. he will be wearing himself out because he's on toes. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it cannot be too long on those toes, right? So uh, uh, his also capability of the movement is limited because if you sit, you know, with the feet, uh, feet on, the, on the floor, right, on the grass, mm-hmm. pool, then you have more flexibility. Once you move the heel, heels off the ground, you start losing the capability to yes. move and adapt a body that is needed when something awkward happens. And of course, when the ball is coming right mm-hmm. to you, that's what you need. You need you need to be fast, and you mm-hmm. need to be very uh, uh, skillful in a in a way. And mm-hmm. you have to be solid, right? So you can move those. You can make those moves. Right. When you think like a baseball, like a catcher is probably catching 150 balls in a game down in there, getting up and down from. So that's a whole lot of compensation going on at one time. Yes, and wear and tear can happen easily, like with the shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are not using the spine, the shoulders will break. So if you are not using the feet here, the ankles are too tight, then you go on your toes. Mm-hmm. So if you are really solid, then you will be using hips to to move the to move the uh, to move the body to catch the right way, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are on toes, one thing that is going to happen is, is really a little bit maybe harder, but also wear and tear will, you know, will, mm-hmm. you know, will tire you, right? Exhaust about it. Right. Then, then the reactions can be slower. 
Yeah, this is why the work that I've seen you do and the, you know, talking to you here, Jersey, is how you've talked about it takes time to build these up. And we're always in a hurry, you know, just as people to go on. But the term that you used that I love was micro progressions. I never heard that term before in coaching. But what is when you said that micro progressions in that, what do you mean by that? How would you describe that term? I think that every coach knows what mm. what is it, right? Especially coaches that are uh, coaches of uh, improving something that is one thing, right? Mm. So those that are like uh, uh, long jump, right? They are just doing only that thing. So and uh, pole vault, right? This is just one thing mm-hmm. that you um, improve over time. So when you have something like that, then it is connected to numbers and the numbers are connected to you. So let's say um, you have, uh, you you can lift only 150 pounds, right? But the world record is 450 pounds, right? Okay, (laughs) so you are missing 300 pounds. (laughs) But, But you are, you know, 15 years old or 17 years old, right? So there is this uh, Russian coach uh, in Olympic weightlifting. He said, I need 10 years to develop the national champion. If I don't have it, I will never make one. I will break that one before. So it means one Because you're pushing, that, too, you're pushing it, too hard and they're not ready for it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The progress is too fast. Mm-hmm. And when the progress is too fast, adaptation doesn't happen. So what really is happening so that you have to have accumulation of repetitions and during this accumulation of repetitions, the body adapts to, to all the movements and so on and everything becomes uh, easier, more fun. And, and so uh, a weightlifter experiences, you know, the joy of lifts is snapping, like, you know, like a broom, right? And, and then keeps doing this, even though is uh, uh, ready for increasing, but adaptation time has to happen. So there, uh, it has to be time to adapt that uh, lifter to that, to that weight. Mm-hmm. And when it's adapted, then you go to another level. Another plan is, you know, written and, and another six weeks is happening and on and on and on to actually create such a uh, lifter that on that level of 450 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. But that's uh, that's about micro progression throughout the 10 years, right? And usually it takes 10 years to make an mm-hmm. athlete, right? But, you know, at least five years you would need to have in order to, to make, um, you know, okay lifter, mm-hmm. right? You know, kind of... Uh, national, you know, competitions and so on. That's how it is uh, with musicians too, right? Right. Uh, I, you know, when people say, I, I don't have two years or five years, I said, okay, so uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> You're going to entertain yourself because that's only left for you, right? Yeah. It, well, <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, it's, it's so, it's interesting because like, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I being, you know, in the world of, of kettlebell training, you know, I've worked with Powell's system for 12 years now, and it really is just the last couple years that I felt a lot of different, you know, excelling. It took a decade to get to get there, but now a lot of different things over the last couple of years I've learned and I've developed in my body. 
but so many things, especially in, in fitness and fitness industry is quick, quick results, like the six week programs and the 12 week programs and stuff. And then five years, it's like, yeah, it's like, this is going to take some time of going in. So it's, so, it's just a different mentality. Yeah. It's, you know, all these programs that they don't have goals, they have uh, big ideas, but there's no mm. goal. That's why they can claim whatever they, they can claim. Right. But, you know, if you have a goal, then you cannot claim because suddenly, you know, there is a goal. <laughs> so, you know, those athletes have goals. So when, once you have a, a goal, it makes you humble right away. <laughs> right. It's just like, you know, oh, it's like when you don't have a goal, so oh, when you do this program, you know, you will feel better, you will lose weight, but nobody says how many pounds and mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen, what's the plan for it? <laughs> right. No way, right? So um, it's mostly you know, entertaining with the idea of experience, having good time. That's what I I hear. And I think that the goal is having good time. So, okay, we can have a good time. After 10 years, nothing happens, but we had a good time. (laughs) Okay, have you won that? (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Right. Right. But, but, you know, for me, it's like a waste of 10 years. 10 years is a lot of years that you can become incredible, awesome body system that you can develop. And then after these 10 years, you will have the body that will not talk to you for another 50 years. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, so it's, that's yeah. that's uh, um, a system that is uh, you know, resistant to almost anything. It's unbreakable. Uh, yeah. you know, I had this uh, Zen master that I coach and, and he developed this, you know, he contacted me because he developed this pain in the back. And he meditated and he was the master and that pain was so much that, you know, he uh, uh, once said that, you know, I'm going to kill myself. I cannot meditate. You know, it's like, you know, a year passed and pain is there. Right. So uh, I met him. He was in Canada. And then, you know, I described him how to make it happen. That the body had to build that the robust body, undestructible body that I told him. And he said, oh, everybody's destructible. Is it like a Zen, Zen I said, yeah, yeah. But listen to that. And I talked more about it. And he said, I understand now. And, and he said, okay, how, how, it, how do you understand it? And, you know, it's, he gave me this really amazing image. He said, well, I see it like that. A, a river goes down 20 miles per hour. And uh, I want to go up 10 miles per hour, but my body can go only 30 miles per hour. So if I want to go 10 miles, I'm using my body, the whole body system, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I can break any moment, right? And your body can go 100 miles per hour. So if you want to go 10 miles per hour up, you're using only 30% body. It means you can never break. Ah, I said, you got it. <laughs> oh, that's oh, what a beautiful analogy. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you got it. I said, yeah, and he said, I'm going to, to work on it. I said, okay. So some months after he calls me and he said, my body goes 40 miles per hour. <laughs> oh, that's all beautiful. Oh, he's going to let me, oh, that's, I love that. It, you, so, know, it's you know, it's a beautiful image and that is, uh, 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 should be, you know, the aim and goal somehow a measurable goal, what is this 100 miles per hour, right? Also should be established. That's why 
you know, in the happy value, we establish the, you know, the goals, the measurable goals. So actually, you know, because once you know what you need to do and you can measure, you know, uh, where you're going and where you are, mm -hmm. it makes you very humble right away. Boom. So you're already humble. And then, uh, but also it gives you the uh, tangible, you know, um, you know, numbers that you can actually make it happen to yourself. Mm -hmm. Plan and strategies, time, and you can pursue that and you can, you know, develop, uh, you know, uh, a way of progression, micro progression. You start understanding micro progression because you have plan, you have data, and you have certain uh, way of knowing where you are in every point of that journey, mm -hmm. how you progress and what happens to you and how, uh, what to do in order to uh, deal with obstacles and whether they are mental obstacles or they are physical obstacles, mm -hmm. everything matters then. But if you have a plant that doesn't have all these numbers, right, then, then, you, then you are in the world of, Hey, we had a good time. Yeah, that right. was a good time. <laughs> All right, that was a good time. <laughs> right. I well, cannot Im imagine weightlifters, you know, after the train said we had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's whatever you find it. Yeah. Well, you know, when we, the micro progression, I think it's easy to recognize and understand on the physical side, right? Like if you get stronger, it's, it's numbers, right? If you lifted 150 pounds and then you lifted 175 pounds, okay, that's a very, easy thing to understand. All right. I'm making progress. The, the mental side of it is very different. It seems like it's much more unknown and it's much more individualized to different people, depending on, you know, just their upbringing of what they've experienced in their life and stuff. So in the happy body program, how do you work on the, on the mental side of the micro progressions? Well, we have, um, uh, we've written a lot of, uh, to help people to actually, uh, help them to build the mental strength mm -hmm. and build the self-control. You know, for people that have self-control, then they see this, you know, um, it, it, with the development of uh, mental uh, inner strength or, you know, uh, self-control strength, self-discipline, it is, uh, it is, progress that can be seen backward but not forward so when you uh in in weightlifting you see forward what you need to do right and mm -hmm. kind of measure it, right but your experiences as you progress uh you 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 see the journey backward right and uh -huh. then okay then you know when you uh when you have more and more self-control, when you read more, when you read poems, when you meet with people that they are uh, positive, they are oriented, oriented for solutions in life and, and positive solutions, when the master is already developed, then uh, you have the chances to, you know, to develop yours as well. But, you know, a lot of uh, you need to do if you are an angry person, then you can measure your anger in a way backward, whether you are still angry or not and how mm -hmm. angry you are, right? If you have, if you respond to, uh, 
two people on a freeway that would do something wrong, right? And you are talking to them, then then you have to work on yourself, right? And you start working right. not to do that, right? But it's like you said, it's that uh, that system that is built is a side effect of many things. Mm-hmm. That's why in Stoicism, there is a virtuous idea. Uh, virtues are all those things that we build up. And, uh, and then the side effect of that is happiness. Right. Yes. So uh, when you have all these virtues in place, or the quality of those things, you know they uh, they show up in your life, and then uh, you become you live the life of a happy person or not, right? Or or that happiness is kind of measurable as well. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, the books that let me look uh, for the books. So I, I, I first about maybe eight years ago, I noticed that people have uh, voices, and they have uh, different voices to different situations and different challenges, and they respond differently to that. But there is a mixture, constant mixture of a of a voice for uh, for the hard choice or for the easy choice, right? So I try to understand the voices and try to really get, you know, an idea how to embrace, how to show it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, as, as I work more with people who responded to me, had really challenges like uh, in, in, in diet, following the plan, following the food, following the, the, the calories and, you know, all of it are mental challenges. Mm-hmm. So then I uh, start seeing that there is an interaction. Uh, <laughs> interaction is almost like, you know, good and, and bad, right? But there is a, uh, I saw that there is a struggle between that, where the choice really belongs to. And mm-hmm. then in the book, you can see that there is a fatalist and the master. Okay. And there is a choice in the middle. So if the master and fatalist are equal, 50-50, then the struggle happens. Do it or not to do it, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Eat it or not to eat it. Lift it or not to <laughs> And it has somehow, you know, uh, has to happen with that one has to get stronger. And then mm-hmm. when one gets stronger, wins the whole thing. Right. You're you feeding one that You don't go to the gym or, or you just get up and go to the gym. Mm-hmm. So in order to develop that awareness for people, I created these five different voices and levels. So people could, by reading, could experience these voices. And after when they could experience the the voices, they could identify how, when they actually in situation, what is the voice that they are, you know, uh, actually talking or responding, speaking at Mm -hmm. that time. So what are they? Um, let me show you the situation. So this one, this one is the fatalist owns the choice. When the fatalist owns the choice, this is the time when the person doesn't have any energy, is completely depressed, mm-hmm. 
and doesn't have any energy almost to do anything. It's a suicidal you know, situation mm-hmm. for the person. It's really hard to pull out of that. You know, it's all darkness. Mm-hmm. It's all negative. Nothing is positive. It's very sad situation where a person can be. I was in that situation in Poland where I was an alcoholic. You know? That's why maybe I, I could actually create this, those voices, mm-hmm. add them. So then I started writing in that voice with different situations, right? Oh, okay. And then I created the voice that is 75% fatalist. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you, you have the idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then 50 50, yep. right? Okay. And then going back to the master, master is, you know, 75%. Okay. Or the master is 100%. And the 100% master is, you know, Buddha, uh, Jesus. Right. right. 75 yeah. would be Gandhi or some right. kind of people that they are incredible. Yeah, right? the pure energy. Yeah. The Stoics, right? So, wow. you know, would be, you know, 90%, for mm-hmm. example, right? So, okay, now I have these five different uh, ways of responding to a situation. Then I... Then I created 12 different scenarios, situations when people are in, right? And then uh, to these scenarios, I created the response. When the person is at the, let's say, at the dinner and at the dinner is, you know, like uh, everything possible, but when person is on a diet, wants to, <laughs> wants not to eat too much. And then the response happens, right? And the response happens, the first is negative, the voice, what the negative says. And then when, what is that voice that fatally 75%? And what is the person that is, you know, half-half? And in the half-half is the interesting, the most, the point of the book is how to outwit the fatalist when they are equal. You know, you wake up in the morning and, and you have equal almost energy to go to the gym or not. Right. Right. And, you know, like, uh, uh, it's like 50 50 in a way. Right. And the voices are very fast because mental men in, in the mind, we speak very fast. Yes. So the, the images are, you know, hundred, you know, times faster than the way we speak mm-hmm. because they are thoughts. They are really fast. So all, all of it is so if here is the, the dialogue that takes two, two pages, right? It happens like in seconds, right? In mm-hmm. in our mind, when we actually uh, are going to do something or not, and outwitting that that fatal is by the master. Getting that voice of the master is the purpose of it. Because once you can do that, then you are fifty one percent master and forty nine mm-hmm. fatalist. It means you know that half plus full or empty happens here. So half glass empty, it means that you are fatalistic, you know, you have fatalistic approach to life. Yeah. But half full, you, you're always in a positive, you turn everything into positive. And that's the switch is here. And usually, we are kind of equal with whatever we are doing in life, or we never develop yet this capabilities mm-hmm. of of, you know, uh, responding as people that are half full, right? 
So uh, how to turn yourself from a person that complains and you don't want to complain, right? Okay, mentally first you say, okay, uh, I think that complaining is not a good thing. All right, so now we have the situations, you know, about the, how fatalists would talk about complaining, right? Right, yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Complaining is good. <laughs> complaining is the only way the world is messed up. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and on and on, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you have a master that is 25%, the master would say, yeah, yeah, but, you know, we, maybe we complain too, too much. We cannot do anything. Let's shut up, you know, that. Right, they, right. They, they're strong. But if they are equal, masters say, you know, this complaint is not a good thing. And, and, uh, and the fatalist is equal. So what do you think? Is it really a good thing? Is it, look, everybody complains. Look at the world. The world <laughs> is complaining. It's detaining itself, right? Uh, so the master says, yeah, yeah, but we cannot do anything. You know, we are worn out by complaining. You know, we complain and blame, complain, blame. Right. We cannot do anything. And yeah, well, so why would you do anything? And then on and on, this kind of uh, dialogue is there. But if the master is a little bit stronger and smarter, we can say, well, what, what, if we, uh, what if we decide to do actually something and not to complain for a day? Would be actually maybe a good test. Oh, well, you know, well, what do you think? You know, I, I don't think that it's a good idea and so on. <laughs> can we test that? Well, you know, well, maybe we could test it. Right. Okay. So... In this way, you have the fatalist on your side that actually is willing to test something. And that, you uh -huh. have the fatalist right on, right? Because if you test goodness, if you test something that is good, then the, the master gets stronger too. So, so recognizing this, uh, this language of you know, all these different people, right? helps first awareness is developed right you start you know uh, learning about yourself what you say and what is the strength is it the fatalist talking is it the master talking and how strong is the mother master or how strong is the fatalist mm -hmm. yeah, you need to work on it so at the end of the book right we have this uh, this practice of the scenarios and people can write their own voices. They can actually practice. Wow, okay. Right? The voices. And then uh, at the end of the book, there are situations set up that you can create your own scenario. And then you can write your, your voices. And then you, once you do it, then more and more practice, you are more aware of it. Then what happens really next? is that you recognize those voices in other people. Wow. And, and that, is, that place you, uh, places, in, places you in the, power, in the power spot. Right. Because yeah. once you recognize that fatalist is talking to you, now you have a chance to go away. Right. And right. that and that logical step is to share that with others once you found it yourself. It's of course. But once you get into the debate with the fatalist, you will never win, right? Mm. So it will take you down, it will waste your time and so on. So, you know, you have the capabilities now because of developing that awareness uh -huh. that if you have a you know fatalist, 
then you can go away and find a master somewhere, right? If you find a master, if somebody is talking to you and you hear the master voice, right? That's interesting person. That person can help you. That person can, you know, uh, pull you out of your, you know, uh, difficult situation, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. build more in you. Goodness, build the, that willpower toward, you know, something that is good for you. Because it's really hard to do it in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, the, the hardest thing that uh, it is, but that's why I tell people, you know, the, the wisdom of life is to fall in love with something what you don't like, but it's good for you. Mm. And that, that, that thing kind of, uh, uh, those books are, were written in that person to take you there. Because we yeah. have a lot of complaining, we have a lot of sarcasm, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of that, mm -hmm. that uh, our work is working against us. Right. That breakdown of the voices, Jersey, is one of the greatest that I've heard that is of having, because I think we, we get in struggles of not wanting to think that that voice, that fatalist is there. It's like, we don't want to hear it. We want to just think that we should have these good thoughts and why can't I get through this? And even though we have those negative thoughts, what you've done is you've given it its own voice. It's like, it's not an abstract thing that you need to be afraid of. You can actually bond with it and understand where that's coming from. You know, it's kind of like the, the scary movie. It's like the scariest part is that you don't see the killer or the monster. It's as soon as you see it, then it, there's no more fear anymore. So right. by actually taking an exercise and, you know, talking about what does the fatalist say right now, you can become aware of it. And then, you know, oh, this is coming up again. I know in the morning time, I might not feel like going to the gym and my, he's going to say this this is what I can say. I'm going to get myself out of it and you're going to build better habits from it. Yeah. There's, um, there's a, um, a saying, you remember the kind of the saying like, uh, uh, Lao Tzu, he said, watch your thoughts. They become words, right? Yes. He <laughs> starts with that. So this is exactly what happens to us when we are so, uh, unaware the thoughts are going very fast but they don't become words before we speak words, right? right. The, the thoughts become words without, without us to speak them. Yes. They come out of us, right? And boom. And, and then, you know, anger comes out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, blame comes out or, you know, uh, complaining comes or out. Or resentment, yeah. <laughs> because we, we cannot catch it. So, uh, once you be, be, being aware of the words, right? That voices, then you start having awareness and you start catching them when they actually talking to you inside your head. Right? So you have a chance now to pick, right? How you're going to respond. So you become right. awareness is created in your mind of those voices. So you're not anymore the person that is you know, unconscious, you are consciously, you are cons becoming the conscious person about, you know, what, what thoughts are in your mind. Yeah. Right. And they are contradictive, contradictive thoughts sometimes, many of them, right? Mm -hmm. So then, then you start identifying the, the voices, start identifying the power of the voice. 
you know so that becomes that might, that becomes the tool for you mm-hmm. or for anybody right yeah then, then in that uh Lao Tzu said what's your words they become actions mm-hmm. it's exactly say right actions mm-hmm. so it means like you can you can do something right you can do something that is not good if you if your words are coming from the fatalist right, right. If the words, if you, if your fatalist gave you the words and you spoke them, then action becomes after. Yes. That, that is, can be really not a good thing. You start really blaming somebody, right? Or you are angry. Now the, the Lao Tzu said then after, what's your, what's your actions? They become habits, right? They become habits. So now suddenly, you're over and over reacting in the same way. The same way. <laughs> as an angry person, let's say, right? And then you listen to the fatalist and that, that's how you respond. Mm-hmm. And that becomes your habit. And then what you have is they become your character, right? You're completely yes. integrated. And then what's your character? It becomes your destiny. <sighs> yeah. Okay? Now you can think how important it is, right, mm-hmm. to, um, to know or somehow to be aware where the words are coming, where the thoughts, right? right? And recognizing that so you have a chance before you speak, because you mm-hmm. res- before you respond, to have a chance there for the dialogue between the master and the fatalist. Yes. Right? And that's why, you know, I came out with a little bit different scenario. So I said, choose the art, they become your emotions, right? Because the art becomes now, mm-hmm. if you have a poem, the poem becomes emotions. Yes. It's not really words yet, right? So the, the art is even before that. When you, you know, when you write the poem, when you read the poem, you know, what it's something happens to you inside. Yes. These are the, your emotions. So it's coming from the art, right? And then choose your emotions. They become your feelings, right? Now you have a feeling. First, before you, it's just emotions are you know, like energy inside of you that you do not understand, right? But when you have a feeling, you name it. You're angry, right? right? You have yes. this feeling. You, you're a kind person. You have the feeling, mm-hmm. right? You name it. And then uh, choose your feelings. They become your images. And now, not only the feeling, now the feeling comes with the image. Let's say if you, if you have a kindness, then the image of kindness happens to you. Right. Right? You, you see something like you see Thich Nhat Hanh, right? Somewhere where he uh, talks about you know, when he teaches walking, like uh, walking meditation, mm-hmm. right? So uh, that that gets you there. Or, right, and choose your images, they become your words, you see? And then mm-hmm. we start overlapping with Lao Tzu. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. And we see how art is important, you know, to develop yeah. the emotions, the feeling, and the words, and then becomes the words. Choose your words; they become your thoughts, and that's where you—that's where it goes we all the way back, full circle. Yeah. Full, full yeah. circle. Well, what Lao Tzu said, 
watch your thoughts, they become your words, right? Wow. It, then then yes. uh, you see how uh, important it is to, to work on so many levels to, uh, to create the goodness within you. Right. That you cannot really create it if you have the fatalist, you know, winning the, the battle. Uh, you, right. you have to work on yourself to create the possibility that the, you create that goodness, the master within that has, you know, uh, more to say. And then once you get to 51%, you get to 52, 55, 57, 60, and then 70. And then when you live that way of life, you never complain, you never blame, you're not sarcastic, you have a really good life. You focus on what, what is good, what is kind. Mm-hmm. Become that kind of a person. And, and there is no waste really, uh, of, of any kind when it comes to, you know, what to do or how to be good person. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's the, I mean, going from, from what you said from Lao Tzu and then how you added to that and how it just came full circle. I mean, I think it was the Marcus Aurelius quote of, you know, the key to our happiness is the quality of our thoughts, you know, comes from the stoicism in that. So it's kind of the same thing that we're going through. It's inter- happen, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said that with art because, you know, when we were talking about, you know, poetry before, like anytime I write, if I write an article or an email, like I just kind of write it as it's going but when I was writing poetry, I actually see the image in front of me of what I'm doing and I'm describing it in a poem. So it's kind of the same thing. And we talk about that in strength training of visualization, like looking at the bar, like going through the patterns in our head. We want to do the same thing in our art and in our writing because that's what brings our thoughts out. And the key to happiness and the happy body, as you said, it's like, you know, be, be just all about that. And then the body, you'll leave the body alone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, it's like, you know, the, the mind, uh, the mind is a beautiful thing, you know, like the body is a beautiful thing. It's just sometimes, you know, we have, uh, you know, but craft yeah. and that craft, uh, is, uh, is possible to change. So we don't have to live a, uh, live a life of a, of a complaint. Right. And complain. These are the thoughts. These are the words they are becoming. Right. Blaming. It's the same thing, but it's a draining energy. And that, that also, you know, those words, right. They is, it's a negative thing to, to complain because you have victim and it's, it's connected to victims. Yes. The victim and you victimize yourself in a way. So you, you act like that. Mm-hmm. And when you blame, you kind of, you know, do the same thing. You don't put yourself into a situation of trying to find a solution. It, it blocks you from the solution. Yes. Once you spend energy for the complaining and blame, you, you get stuck. You get stuck in, in you, it's a trap. It's a trap that you cannot get out and you cannot be constructive. You cannot really choose hard choices. Your easy choices are chosen, right? And you cannot improve. So, uh, you know, once you are becoming aware that the complaining and blaming are thoughts, they are thoughts before they became words, you know, they can be uh, intercepted with arts and the art can actually help us with those feelings and emotions, right? And end up with the uh, 
possibility of changing the pattern. Yes. Which is really crucial. And I think that um, that is, is very crucial to, you know, to work with what I work here to help yes. uh, my clients uh, with the master and fatalist. Yeah. And, and, and then the sooner as soon as we win one battle, we go to the another one, mm-hmm. another one, another, and then we can start creating the, our destiny, like, um, you know, that was said, destiny. This is huge, right? Yeah. When, when you go in the reverse, you go to this, the character habits, you know, words and thoughts, you know, that, and that's where it's coming from. And, you know, we are not doing anything actually to, uh, to deal with, right? It doesn't have sense. You know, it, it's like, uh, it has to be something that helps us to, to work toward, you know, that, that light, right? That yeah. goodness, that, uh, that something that helps us. And I thought the art is doing it. Mm-hmm. And art is a, extremely important in our life they are they can be not consciously uh knowing what they are doing but they are doing it because they are in the uh in the emotions right there are you know there's not thoughts even though there is a feelings right then Mm -hmm. after right and that creates slowly the thoughts and words and then uh the um the way how we uh, how we live life yeah it is and oh the the art side it i can't believe how fast the time flew with you here jersey it's like i think we'll have to do a part two and we'll get all the way into the art type work as well so oh, t- but, t- Paris said the same thing you know? it's like two and a half hours <laughs> two and a half hours like that. Fl- and it, we talk about before we talk about one hour and a half already with you know naval and tim and we would talk for another. Tim says, "Well, we have to stop." <laughs> absolutely, so, yeah, it is. I mean, there's sorry, so man. Much, you know, oh, I absolutely love it. It's uh, it's how it's how these conversations goes. That's when you know it's it's great, and there's so much value, you know, from it. The, I mean, the work that you're putting out with uh, the happy body, um, you know, from the physical side as well as the mental side, is of such value, and uh, it's it's been really just great hearing it firsthand from you and your experiences and uh, building this up. So I really appreciate you taking the time. This is great. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I, I, um, it took about 18 years to find the happy body, mm-hmm. find the standards, you know, and, uh, find what really, what is really the something that guarantees, you know, the, the good life from the physical mm-hmm. point of view. So we established six standards, uh, put the numbers in mm-hmm. and we understood that but then took 18 years to write it yeah <laughs> <laughs> to, to really comprehend to then write the sweet the science book. comes yeah and, and also to uh, write the philosophy uh, behind it to help actually people with willpower self-control self-discipline you know to create knowledge uh, why is it important why actually to do that right so all of it took 18 years so now we are approaching to end of 18 years so next 18 years is really we will be trying to find out what is the language what are the words to uh, use to expose the happy body to anybody in the world that's and great that's, 
that's what the, our our next 18 years are going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand that uh, that easy choices uh, are easy choices, and they uh, they contribute to our not good life, and you know create a lot of waste. Yes, waste of time, waste of energy, waste of money. It's just a lot of waste. So uh, to create the way toward, you know, that awareness of uh, where is the struggle, where is the self-control, where is delayed gratification, how to create that, that is going, and the, and the happy body, how the happy body is a mindful system, how the happy body is a singular, singular brain singular system that helps us almost like TM meditate. Yeah. You actually do it 30 minutes and you you have the experience of meditation like TM, which is really beautiful, uh, you know, way <laughs> of meditating. I do, do TM for 33 years now. And, you know, I see how the happy body is, was also uh, created with that meditative aspect why actually doing why you know when when we actually uh breathe this certain way and we give the mindful 100% focus toward that mm-hmm. and then uh, uh so uh, it would be fantastic and you would be probably helping us to do that <laughs> absolutely any way <laughs> any way that i can <laughs> how to make it happen that regular human being can take the happy body and uh will be able to deliver for himself this mm-hmm. physical uh, way of living when the body doesn't talk back. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, love it. Exactly. Just leave, just leave it alone. So, yeah, leave me alone, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm 90 years old, but leave me alone. Don't oh, come that's back. so don't, funny. Don't, don't talk to me. I love it. That's my favorite. So, um, per, so uh, books are out on the happy body. Um, you know, we'll get a link directly in there for anybody to, uh, that they can go in and check your stuff out. Is there anywhere else that we can send listeners to see more of your teachings or more of your, your content? I mean, at the, our web to start, and there is a very active and the happy body Facebook. And mm-hmm. it's not as active uh, because we've never done anything for marketing. Yep. Uh, so um, that's what we are going to get into it. And um, so soon probably will be more on uh, on Instagram and on, on Facebook, mm-hmm. trying to uh, create for people uh, a way of interacting. Also, there is a I have one hour Zoom that I, people who buy uh, the book, so they, it is something you see here. Okay, yep. So uh, those who have questions and they have difficulties to understand certain things, I have uh, one hour every day Zoom. It's free. They can come, talk to me, have questions, and I'm answering those questions. And and the whole world oh, is talking. Oh. To, the whole world is talking to me. I don't know who is going to come. Right? Oh, so, beautiful! Oh, love it. And people come sometimes one questions or two, and then in two three months I say, "Come in two three months and let me know." The happy body uh, uh, way is a is a living 
uh, that way of life forever. Like, you know, yes. like a bulb, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's shining and then it's gone. Right. So right. that's how we want to Love die. It. That, you know, it's on, on is good. No talk back. Oh. And, you know, it's going in a sleep. And oh, that's oh, what a good value. Yeah, that's great. That's such a great value that you do that. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So awesome. that's the purpose. And, and uh, of course, comes with practice, comes with philosophy, mm-hmm. comes with art, comes with, uh, uh, you know, meditation, comes with, you know, spirituality to take, you know, care of, right? Everything, yeah. everything what is good, has to be addressed to mm-hmm. create that kind of, you know, goodness in life that you you find happiness, right? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Jersey, thank you so much. This is absolutely great. Um, so much value here. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Oh, me too. <laughs> absolutely. Listeners, thank you so much. Uh, catch Jersey right. out. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you like the show, please give it a five-star review. Give it a thumbs up, all that good stuff. And if you want to get the inside scoop on all new episodes coming up, behind-the-scenes insights, and free training resources, then you can join the Strength Connection private Facebook group now. Just go to Facebook groups, type in the Strength Connection, and join in. Also, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.